Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I spilled a little coffee here to start the show. You know, I like to pour my coffee about the 10-second countdown and miss the mark here today. But I do have a vivid recollection of sitting next to you in that very room as you would deal with that extra little bit of dribble by licking it up Gene Simmons yes, style. Right. Johnny germaphobe, not, not bashful about applying his tongue to any and all surfaces that have been touched by God knows what. Was that you? What was that hair? That was your old Roger Goodell evil. Uh, I'd, li- I'd like hair, to see dude. that again. I'd like. I need to see that one more time. Actually, yeah, I gotta. I gotta look. Can at we that. do that? I don't know Great. that I want to see that again. I don't know. If I don't want to do see either. that moving. I don't want to see it still frame. I'm just concerned about the hair. At what point did you pivot from Roger Goodell? Evil twin brother hairstyle to Gomer Pyle USMC. At what point did you make that transformation? I I, uh, I can't remember. I guess, gosh, it was, what, a year and a half ago? I got sick of that, like, just it didn't look good enough. I didn't like it didn't look clean enough and tight enough on TV. And I kind of was like, you know, let me let me go back to just, you know, traditional low on the sides. Let me comb it to the side, see how that looks. And I did it a few times, and... You know, I became addicted after that. Now, <laughs> now, now I'm obsessed with it. Uh, yeah, the hair is definitely not the main focus of that photo. I my theory is that once it started to recede at the top, you realize that the best thing to do was make it short all over to to minimize the perception that the troops had abandoned the front line i mean really the day i give a shi blank t about my damn hairline okay (laughs) that i don't care that was not the reason uh nope i will be going gray 
I'm not going to be the guy that's going to be dyeing my hair or doing anything like that. And I, if I'm I go not dyeing my hair. Either. I know you're not. You're not throwing shade at me. No, I, I, I definitely wasn't. I wasn't even trying to, to be funny that way. It's just I'm going to go down all natural, Mike. That's, that's the way it's going to go. If I go bald, I go bald. So what? First of all, one of the benefits of having blonde hair is when it goes gray. Yes. It takes a lot of gray before anybody ever even notices, right, which right. is uh, one of the benefits of having. The, I got a lot in the, here. Uh, I do yellow hair. Yeah, you got some gray already. I do. I definitely got some gray in there. And if I grew it out, you you know you can catch it in the the light every now and then. But yes, it's in there. But it's hard to see, like you said, because that blonde kind of camouflages it a little bit. Hey, let me tell you, the lighting here, and it's been here for years. It it does a hell of a job of not accentuating the ever-growing field of gray that I have, but I, I don't You're care good. either. You're good, right. You're and, good. I'm not gonna, and I'm not going to pass judgment on anyone who chooses to no. use pharmaceutical enhancements to make their hair a different color than it is. Right. My concern was, is, and always will be that once you lock into that path, there's no getting off of it. And next thing you know... You are seventy something guy with yeah. who had a dark hair. That's when it looks and, weird. That's when it starts to look yeah. a little weird. <laughs> right. And and I and and your only choice at that point is to do the Bob Barker thing where and I've said this before, I remember I used to watch Price is Right back when I would like sit around and watch T V sure. and not really work as hard as I should. But he went in late eighties from the Ronald Reagan Brown to yeah white right after a week off and just did it just like that's it i'm done it's uh, over and it mm. it wasn't even partial it was just as white as my shirt like that and and he got a standing ovation because everybody was like yes thank you you finally have developed the self-awareness that no one believes that your hair right. is naturally brown and i remember when ronald reagan was president oh he doesn't dye his hair yeah okay fine what else doesn't he do that you want us to think he doesn't do, and you're just going to say he doesn't do it. I mean, come on. It's, it's not as if politicians are a bastion of honesty anyway. Of course the guy in his mid-70s when he's president of the United States and looks every bit of it with a full head of brown hair <laughs> is dyeing his hair. Of course he is. So, anyway. I never knew that about Bob Barker. I didn't know that. You know, I only – I've seen old clips of the brown hair. I didn't realize he just made the transition just like that. Like Just like nowhere. that. Week off and back – and it was gone. And it was completely gone. It was like a completely different guy. And it looked good. That's the thing. It does. The rest of you is 75. The, I mean, that's, that's the problem. When you, when you have made the commitment, when you've written that check and you've decided to stick with it, you can't get off the train unless you jump off of it like, like Bob Barker did back in the late 1980s. Bob Barker, I think Bob Barker is still with us too. Uh, it, I think he is. It's amazing. Is he still? Is he still throwing I right hooks at Happy Gilmore and doing stuff like that? I mean, that's you know. <laughs> He's still Bob, Bob Barker confirmed. Still alive. He's got to be close to a hundred, right? I mean, he's got to be. I don't mean that to be. F uh, wow, a hundred. In two December's from now, wow, Bob Barker man, the price is right, Bob. Ninety-eight. I mean, damn, he's yeah. killing it. <laughs> um, all right, uh, we have wasted enough time to start the program. By the way, today was the closest I cut it. I was nervous today, and I got up at six. I got up at six. I did some work, 
and I and you know the earlier I get up, the more I think I'm good, I'm fine, I'm I'm fine, I'm not you know everything's fine, I'm taking my time. And all of a sudden, I looked at my clock and it's six fifty seven. Like man, uh, what where'd the hour go? And when I came up, I didn't. I usually come out. I see you on the monitor putting your makeup on or yeah. licking your mug, as right. the case may be. And and it was it was black, which is thirty. Uh, peel back the curtain. Give you a heart attack before the show begins. Right. We fade to black while we wait for the show to start. So I see nothing on the monitor. It's like, oh, my God. I, I used to joke about one of these days I'm going to show up while we're in black and sit down and the show is going to start. And I thought today was the day. And it wasn't. It was just Close. a, a Close. minor technical thing. But it got me a little nervous. I was so singing tomorrow. a song. I was singing a song about you not coming to work today. You know, I was going mad because it was six. It was six fifty eight and 40 seconds on the clock here with the timer. And I was going, man, I usually at least have heard you in the room, in the studio, walking around by this time. And, oh, man, it would have been a great TV if you could have just showed up another minute later for today and tomorrow. It had great openings. It would have been awesome. Well, I'm glad that I was able to disappoint you. And I have no excuse. I live here. No, It's not like I can say, really well, don't. traffic was bad today or, yeah. you know, there was a garbage truck blocking the road or – I've got no excuse. So yeah, uh, I know. Yeah. I, I, but I don't have to apologize yet. I still have not failed to show up on time. Although wasn't it just like a week and a half ago? Because I got here so late, we didn't know that my audio wasn't working. So my lesson was not very well learned. That there are other reasons to be here early. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Speaking of lessons that need to be learned. Whoa. The Washington Commanders, and I've got a theory about the Washington Commanders. Big picture. Before we get into the new details. I think what happens is when there is a continuous drip of accusations that result in nothing, we've got this allegation and that allegation and this allegation and nothing ever happens and nothing causes the NFL to go after Daniel Snyder. We get to the point where we assume nothing is going to bring the guy down. Then comes the thing that maybe could bring the guy down, and it's hard for us to process that it's real because we're so used to dodging bullet here, dodging bullet there, this one doesn't stick, that one doesn't stick, that one, you know, no big deal, yeah. nothing's going to matter, right. nothing's going to happen. And I say all that because if anything's ever going to happen, it's happening as a result of what hit yesterday, Chris. The 20-page letter that was sent by the U.S. House Committee on Oversight and Reform to the Federal Trade Commission copied to multiple attorneys general who have jurisdiction over the area where Washington does its business about not one but two scams, two financial improprieties that were not accidental, that they were not the result of negligence or bad math. Two deliberate schemes that should, if true, and let me just preface everything we say by if true, we're not saying the allegations are true, we're just saying what the allegations are, but if these things hit the mark, if this thing's even remotely close to the bullseye, it's bye-bye Danny. I, I mean, that like, biggest wow moment I can remember, I mean, as far as like an owner is concerned. I mean, I don't know, Mike, am I wrong to think that? I mean, as I went through my head yesterday, this morning driving here, I was just going, I don't know if I remember a moment like this going like, holy cow, wow, one of the oligarchs, one of the 32 that's supposed to be all for the shield, to protect the shield, has been trying to screw over the shield and some others, allegedly, 
Like, I mean, that's that's where we're at here, and that the Federal Trade Commission's getting involved here. I mean, that is a, a a huge like wow moment in the NFL in the history of the NFL, in my opinion. And it does. I mean, again. Uh, and it's serious stuff now. We've gone beyond, like, maybe he's not a great owner and not good to the other owners. Now it's, like, full-fledged, like, whoa, we got white-collar, huge-time crime going on here, and that's a whole different ballpark than, you know, I don't want to say some of the other stuff we've talking about, but it just seems like it's gotten grander with this issue. I know there's a lot of issues there that are very serious, but this one seemed to be like the big one that just blows up in your face. The problem that's been lingering for years is the notion that the team has a toxic workplace environment, and that has spawned a 10-month investigation by Beth Wilkinson. And the NFL did Daniel Snyder a solid last year by not releasing any of the information that she developed, not asking her for a written report, even though her initial engagement letter contemplated there would be a written report. Why no written report? Because as we reported back in February, if there had been a written report, she would have recommended that Daniel Snyder be forced to sell his interest in the team. That's how strongly she felt about everything she learned, as we understand it, during her 10-month investigation. That is bad enough. The toxic workplace, the sexual harassment allegations, the other allegations of misconduct, the way people were treated, that's bad enough, but that never stuck. Yeah, right. Never stuck. Right. And within that, you've got civil liability, possible criminal liability, but it would be very technical. You know, if you touch someone, technically it's a battery and you could be prosecuted for that. Well, Will Smith slapped someone in plain sight and he wasn't arrested. So the criminal element of something like this, it takes a lot and it can happen, but it takes a lot more than just toxic workplace where people say mean things to each other or do inappropriate things or make inappropriate videos. It takes a lot to get a prosecutor interested when you're talking about financial crimes, not just against the other oligarchs, but against your customers. That's where this took a turn yesterday. Even though the the notion that Daniel Snyder and the Washington commanders, and I'm going to keep calling them the commanders, even though these things happened pre-commanders, you don't get to sanitize your brand That is your brand now. So as far as I'm concerned, they've always been the commanders, and commanders gets this tarnish because that's the current name of the organization. But when this was happening, and let's focus on how he allegedly screwed his partner's side of it, they would take, and this all comes from testimony provided to the House Oversight and Reform Committee by Jason Friedman, who worked for the team for 24 years. And there was the back and forth last week. Well, what does he really know? Anyone who would testify to this is committing perjury. That's the team's most recent statement on the matter. And there was a suggestion that he didn't provide any evidence. Well, based upon the letter that was sent by the Oversight and Reform Committee to the FTC on Tuesday, it sounds like there was evidence. It It sounds like there were receipts, emails, documents, et cetera. So as it relates to the scam, allegedly, against the other partners in the NFL money that should have been shared with the league as part of the visiting team revenue. And at a gross level, it's 60, 40 of the ticket revenue net. It's more like 66, 33 because the team is allowed to take out some money from that visiting team pool for expenses. And you can, you can imagine whether or not there's any suspicion at this point 
as to whether or not legitimate expenses were removed from whatever was eventually submitted to the league. But the argument is that money that should have gone to the league as the visiting team pool was allocated to other events that were held at FedEx Field, whether it was a Kenny Chesney concert, a Notre Dame game against Navy or Army, one of the two. Hell, I drove over to watch Lionel Messi not play for Argentina for an hour and a half. Lionel Messi. Lionel, Lionel, either way, he didn't play. I got to see him sit in that bus stop that they use as benches at soccer matches. And Snyder took your money and funneled it and did all this crazy stuff. I went all that way and the guy didn't play. So uh, maybe, maybe some of my ticket revenue ended up being reallocated or whatever the case so, may be. So, and, and, and so, so they take, that, they take money from that visiting pool and then put it into the books of like, wait, we made this money over here on this game. Right. That's how you're explaining. That's the allegation. This. Yeah. That's the okay, allegation. Gotcha. Yep. They called, they called it juice, juice, that they right. would find a way to take money from the ticket revenue that should have gone to what was reported to the league and then 40% gross, 33% roughly net would have gone to the league, that money got reallocated to events that 100% stayed with the Washington Commanders. Right. So that's the Jason Friedman allegation. But here's where it becomes something for which someone or multiple someones could eventually do a perp walk. Yeah. Because you've got allegations, and again, allegation is the word of the day here on PFT Live. Everything is an allegation. We're not saying that any of this is factual, because I just don't feel like getting sued today, really, or any day. But yeah, the allegation think, is yeah, that, that they would take they would take money that had been provided by season ticket holders who would carry over over multiple years. They would make a security deposit at some point, and that security deposit allegedly just got forgotten about and there would be obstacles put in place to get it back and you know you get to a point where you just lump it and you move on right there's there's so much that happens in consumer transactions where they just try to make it just hard enough yes so you don't do the thing that you would do that would either get your money back or shut the money off they made and they and they know what they're doing. Yeah. They know damn well what they're doing. And I'm not going to name names here. I mentioned this last night. I've had this experience a couple of times. When you sign up for a subscription, it's very easy to sign up. Yeah. It's very easy to get to the point where they take your money. It's never it's impossible never, to end never. it. Sometimes it's very difficult. Yeah. Relative to how easy it was to give them your money. It's difficult to figure out how to turn it off. And that's not accidental. They deliberately structure it so it's easy to give them your credit card information and start paying a dollar a month or $5 a month or a dollar a month initially, and then it jacks up to $17 a month next year. It's harder to turn it off. And, and it's a little thing, and if you're persistent enough, you'll do it, but, but they're banking on a certain number of people not doing it. Yeah, With that would this, be me. With this, it's more about creating affirmative obstacles so people won't do it, allegedly, and taking that money and misappropriating it. And it sounds a lot like what Pilot Flying J got in trouble for. Different context. Right. But a lot of people got prosecuted. Some people went to jail. In the truck stop company owned and operated by Brown's owner, Jimmy Haslam, and he never was accused of wrongdoing, which means he was Mr. Magoo in all of this. He has no idea what's going on right under his nose, that they had engaged in this widespread rebate fraud where they 
assumed that their customers weren't smart enough to realize what they were doing to them by shorting them on rebates that they were owed. So it's the same idea. We have your money. We owe you money. We're coming up with a scam, a grift, a ruse to make it easier for us to keep money that belongs to you. And all it takes is one ambitious prosecutor who decides the time has come to take the axe to this big old tree and start chopping. And Daniel Snyder's got a far bigger problem, Chris, Way than bigger. getting run out of club oligarch. Yeah, that, that's that's right. I mean, now you've gone into, you know, club rip off the average American. And that's where that's not going to be cool. I mean, that's it's a whole different ball game, in my opinion. Yeah. Hey, business things with the other 31, 32 owners, these guys cutting corners, doing whatever. OK, but now we're cheating the general public out of money. Uh, yeah, that, that is like, you know, way below the belt here as far as I'm concerned. A lot of it's below the belt there in Washington. We know that. But, you know, th- this is yeah. Now we're talking about federal crime and. Congress definitely needs to get involved and get to the bottom of this. I mean, that, that, that's how you feel. That's that well, kind of statement or what we know allegedly about this, where you just go, oh, man, they got a full-fledged investigation on their hands now. And this is where it crosses over from something that's being investigated by a legislative body that is ostensibly looking into these issues to determine whether or not it needs to craft bills that potentially become laws as it relates to workplace misconduct it has morphed into something larger than that and that's why they made the referral to the ftc because they know they can only do so much the ftc has the regulatory powers over the washington commanders and the letter was copied to attorneys general who would have investigative and prosecutorial powers over the washington commanders you're talking about maryland Virginia and D.C., and then you've got this vague possibility of a federal prosecutor thinking, what could I do about this? Yeah. What crimes may have been committed here? And the federal government will be much more discreet, quiet, secret even, when it comes to setting up a grand jury that would then explore any and all federal crimes that may have been committed. And this comes on the heels of the letter that you see on the screen that was sent last week by six attorneys general who put the NFL on notice. If you don't start doing a better job of treating female and minorities in the workplace better, we're coming after you on that front. So this is another thing the NFL has to worry about. And you mentioned the idea of ripping off the public. It's even worse than that. It is, if this is true, if these allegations are true, this is stealing from your customer. Yeah, that's right. It's even worse that You're way. You're stealing from your customer in a venue. And look, I think FedEx Field is completely and totally owned by Daniel Snyder. He bought that when he bought the team. He's trying currently to get a new stadium with taxpayer money. Good luck getting taxpayer money when there's evidence that you have defrauded your taxpayer slash customers think about that not only are these billionaires trying to rob from the poor and give to the rich via the pool of public money that's out there in any given jurisdiction but on top of all of that they're stealing from the people who give them money for security deposits for their year in and year out season tickets they're your they're best biggest customers. supporters right you're ste- if this is true right you are stealing 
from your best customers, right. not your worst customers. Not that it makes it any better if you're preying upon just the casual person who shows up for a game or yeah. two. These are the people who are there and keep buying season tickets right. no matter how bad your team is. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it is, there is worse. I mean, it's, it's bad to screw over anybody, but to screw over the people that are actually like loyal to you and your organization and show up when you're crappy and still root for the football team and buy the gear. Yeah, I mean... I mean, moral integrity-wise, yeah, it is worse than just your normal rip-off that way. Let me rip off the people that are the best to me. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, I mean, that's where it's it's just it's so amazing that we're here. I'm so – my brain is clouded with just Washington commander's dysfunctional issues to the point where you just go, at what point did the owners just go, you know what, like – we, we can't deal with you anymore. It's just one issue after another. We got to cut you off. We got to get you out of here. It's got to be over. It's one story after another, whether they're all true or not. That's where I just, I'm shocked that, you know, I don't know. There just hasn't been more backlash maybe from the NFL, the NFL owners here with this. I know they got to be careful, but man, this is, you talk about tarnishing the, the, the shield and the NFL right now. I mean, Washington Commanders seem like it's one of their goals in life right now is to tarnish the shield. Well, from the league's perspective, now the league had kept its head low yesterday, but as of last night, Brian McCarthy, NFL spokesman, began issuing a statement to anyone who asked for it as to this situation. And I thought that it was striking in what it implied, not in what it said. And here it is. We continue to cooperate with the Oversight Committee and have provided more than 210,000 pages of documents. The NFL has engaged former SEC chair Mary Jo White to review the serious matters raised by the committees. That last part is important because Mary Jo White has been brought on the scene originally yeah. to look into the allegations made by Tiffany Johnson during a roundtable hearing at the Oversight and Reform Committee back in February, where Tiffany Johnson, who had previously declined to cooperate with the Beth Wilkinson investigation, made allegations directly against Daniel Snyder. And remember, we were at the Super Bowl that week. Snyder's team says, well, we're going to appoint an investigator. And Roger Gill says, no, 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 no. That's yeah, not how right, it works. Right. You don't investigate yourself unless it's the Cowboys investigating themselves over the voyeurism scandal involving the cheerleaders. That's okay. That was a week later, and they never said boo about that. But as it relates to the commanders, the NFL said you can't investigate yourself. And I think there was some negotiation because Snyder, in my view, didn't want Beth Wilkinson back on the scene because Beth Wilkinson had already determined he's guilty as charged based upon what I've heard. So in comes Mary Jo White specifically to investigate the allegations of Tiffany Johnston. That's why Mary Jo White's on the scene. When McCarthy throws in, the NFL has engaged Mary Jo White to review the serious matters raised by the committee. That implies that she also will be investigating these financial improprieties that as of a week ago, the commanders were shouting down as fake news. Without using the words fake news, that's what they were saying. Their first reaction to the reporting from frontofficesports.com, A.J. Perez, that the committee was looking at financial improprieties. There are no financial improprieties. And then when the word emerged that Jason Friedman, 24-year employee of the team, anybody who would testify to these matters of ticket revenue being misappropriated would be committing perjury. So that's been the front that we've gotten from the commanders. But, man, it sounds like there's a hell of a lot more there. And the bottom line is Mary Jo White is exploring that along with the new accusation from February against Daniel Snyder. So 
Now, now look, I continue to have my suspicions about an independent lawyer who keeps getting hired by the NFL. That person is giving the NFL what it wants or it wouldn't continue to hire the same person. The question becomes, what does the NFL want? Yeah, that's the, and it's entirely right. it's entirely possible, Chris. The NFL may want. Yes. Mary Jo White to throw a dart that does hit the bullseye and allows them to say it's time for Daniel Snyder yeah. to get the hell out of here. Right. I, that, that's where the situation seems like it's going down a different path or different than, you know, other things we've seen in the NFL with these private investigations. Yeah. I mean, it's it's usually we feel like the fix is in. You know, oh, they're investigating. Oh, they'll you know they'll find a little something. They'll slap the owner on the wrist with some stupid fine that means nothing to them in their life, and that'll be it. Uh, with these allegations, yes, and the, how serious and how consistent everything always is out of Washington, I, I would think this maybe is one of the first times ever the they're. The, the NFL, Roger Goodell, some of the owners are probably hoping that Mary Jo White or an investigator in general finds some real dirt here to stop the bleeding from, you know, this this story, these all these stories coming out of there. Uh, so that that's where I think it'll be interesting, Mike. And I would think that now with these allegations of screwing over the NFL and the public that – if Mary Jo White did have the, hey, investigate, but, you know, we, we're, we're kind of telling you where we want to go, I would think it's free reign now. I would think the NFL takes the shackles off and go, go get the truth and figure this out, and then we'll take appropriate action. The letter that was sent by Congress, by specifically the House Oversight and Reform Committee to the Federal Trade Commission, accuses the NFL of continuing to refuse to provide the committee with the full findings of Beth Wilkinson investigation. And that doesn't surprise me because that's been the core of the fight since October. Give us the 650,000 emails. Give us the findings that Beth Wilkinson generated. And the NFL has refused. The team has refused. And when McCarthy says, well, we've given 210,000 documents. Okay, well, but what's in them? They may be worthless. They may just be a document dump of things that are just going to have staffers spinning their wheels looking through whatever. And when I was practicing law, that would happen all the time. They would dump haystacks on you, and they would hide the needles if there even were right. any deep inside to force yeah. you to flip page after page after page. Or if there was nothing in there at all, they could say, well, we gave you 210,000 documents. What do you want? I want the documents that actually matter. I don't want your lunch orders. I don't want things that are completely irrelevant to why we're here. And skilled and unscrupulous lawyers and others know how to go about loading up someone who's looking for the truth with a bunch of crap that they have to sift through that is far from what the person is looking for. So just because the NFL is given 210,000 documents doesn't mean jack squat to me. Here's the other side of it from the league's perspective too, Chris. Yeah. I, I thought yesterday of the emails that surfaced back in October showing the very cozy relationship between former Washington President Bruce Allen and Jeff Pash, the NFL's general counsel. Who in the league office is responsible for not catching the scam? How obvious would it have been if someone had decided to truly audit, not just go in and make sure everything's in order, but really dig in and look for 
any evidence that something was amiss. That's price me, ticket yeah. changes. That's one thing they were allegedly doing. If the ticket for a price was $44, they would make it 55 in order to shove the other revenue from the football game to the non-football event. That's how you button it all up. The ticket price was 44 but we put it in the books as 55 and spread the money that way. And there was a number quoted like $162,000 that ultimately was directed from NFL games, ticket sales, to the Notre Dame game that was played at FedEx Field within the past decade. So if you really are looking, could you find it? How thorough was the NFL? And if I'm an owner of another team, that's one of the questions I'm asking. Oh, yeah. Number one, how did we not catch this number two who's responsible for keeping an eye on this who is it that should have spotted this because that person's got some explaining to do uh, uh, that to me was i think the first thing you know i i brought up uh, what was that monday or tuesday when we talked about some of this stuff i can't even remember what day it was but you know it was one of those where i think i made you know the the little snarky comment of like that's this is one where i'm going to file under like the NFL is just not as buttoned up and uh, is a, a well-oiled machine as I think it is sometimes. I, I am amazed by that. The NFL, as good as they are with their money and they don't want to spend money on certain things where we go, that's ridiculous, it'll make the game better, and it's chump change. We don't have the right checks and balances there to figure out what teams are doing with their money. I, I'm just, I'm surprised by that. Not that I'm an expert in that category or really know anything about it, but I would think that the NFL has someone closely looking over team by team, exactly people in the stands, what the revenue was from the soft drinks and the hot dogs and the parking and everything there. And that's like, you can't hide it. That's where I'm just shocked that you're even capable of hiding it, I guess is what I'm saying there. Well, and it may just be that the commanders knew enough about the loopholes, the incompetence, yep, whatever it may like be, it. that they would get away with it. And it's amazing to me that they didn't bank on one of their disgruntled former employees eventually having an avenue and a platform to talk about it. And, Chris, this all goes back to the John Gruden emails. Well, yeah. None of this happens yeah. unless someone releases the emails that took down John Gruden. And I know that there are people who believe those emails came not from the league, not from Roger Goodell, but from Daniel Snyder, that he was pissed off about the punishment he got, even though grand scheme of things relative to the misconduct, he should be happy. He should be doing cartwheels if he even can in response to the punishment he did receive. But he was just so pissed. That's the theory that's out there, that he was so pissed about what he had to endure that he was going to take somebody down. And again, I'm not saying that happened. There are people who believe that that's what happened. And look, there aren't many suspects for who had the emails. Not many people had these emails or had access to these 650,000 emails from which the Gruden emails came. And Clearly, the Washington commanders had access to them because they were received by servers owned and operated by Daniel Snyder's football team. So clearly, Snyder is one of the handful of suspects to have given these emails to the press to bring down Gruden. And I only point out the possibility Unintended that Snyder, consequence because it's the ultimate step on a rake. Yeah. If you're Snyder, right. it's the ultimate karma. You bring down unnecessarily and gratuitously the older brother of your former head coach right you bring him down 
And that is the thing that signs your ticket out of the league. No more owning the team. Oh, and you possibly will be prosecuted. I, I, I know. It's amazing when you lay it out that way, especially, you know, Jay Gruden. Yeah, it you, sounded like there was a good relationship there. To, to have the hit out on the older brother like you talk about is makes it crazier. It does, which, you know, goes back to, like, the moral integrity question again that we just talked about a little while ago, which is you, you wonder about there. All right, so, like, Mike, where does this go? The NFL's never going to give the emails up for the Beth Wilkinson, Wilkinson you know, investigation. That's never going to happen. The Congress is never going to see those. There's just no way because they're going to find another thousand emails with language like John Gruden used in those emails from other NFL employees. So that's just not going to happen. It's going to be possibly, possibly, allegedly, allegedly maybe. maybe. But my, my bet would be that, yes, you're going to find some dirty emails with some improper talk in it. All right. So that's not going to happen now. What I mean, I feel like Congress just needs to just go down this financial path of what we're talking about and not even mess with that area. I mean, because it seems like they're trying to do both, and I don't think you're going to accomplish both here. Well, remember, I firmly believe that the NFL did not provide any of the information that was developed during the Beth Wilkinson investigation, not to protect Daniel Snyder, but to protect other owners from being caught in a similar mess where yeah. an employee who's unhappy – files a lawsuit, makes a claim. Next thing you know, independent investigator, independent investigator comes in and finds things. And the other owners don't want to be subject to the possibility of losing their team over something that they believe ultimately began with an embellishment, a fabrication, somebody who just was mad because they didn't get a raise or whatever. Because that's how people who get sued, that's how people who find themselves in these controversies think, I didn't do anything wrong. We just have a disgruntled employee making stuff up. I didn't do anything wrong. Why are you here? Why are you investigating me? No, no, no. You don't investigate me. I investigate you. I'm the king here. You don't come in here and start looking around and poking around. Nobody wants that, especially not the really rich and the really powerful, because they got a hell of a lot more to lose than the rest of us. So the NFL protected Snyder to protect the rest of them as it relates to the workplace misconduct investigation, I believe, and others who are in a better position to know yeah, what went on, believe right. that too. This gives them a way to get rid of him without having to go in the other direction, yeah. without having to to create a precedent that could be used later against other owners. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, we got evidence he was screwing us. Well, forget about what he was doing to his employees. We don't care about that. He's screwing us. He's done. You throw on top of it the possibility that a prosecutor will launch an investigation, start handing out subpoenas, showing up, swooping on the team headquarters. Like on tax day in 2013, the feds swooped on the headquarters of Pilot Flying J and launched this investigation that nobody even knew was coming. That's what could happen. And that's what would really take this thing next level. And you have to imagine that somebody's thinking about doing that, that this letter from Congress is enough to activate the people who are in place to investigate and prosecute crime. Because this speaks to evidence of crimes. So I think your instincts are right here. This is an easy and simple off-ramp for the rest of the NFL to step back from Daniel Snyder, let him disintegrate, and nature will take its course. See, if the feds go after him, if they prosecute or if state attorneys general decide to prosecute, yeah. and it brings him down... 
you don't have to ever get into years and years and years of litigation right, right. with Daniel Snyder, who right. is never going to stop, who is never going to give up. He proved that he's willing to go to the ends of the earth, literally, after he was defamed by an obscure website. He filed a lawsuit in India, and then he used that as the gateway to conduct discovery against his enemies in the United States and to try to find out whether or not his former limited partners were the ones who were spreading this information. I mean, he was spending unlimited funds to try to use the legal system to achieve whatever end he had in mind. The NFL doesn't have to worry about that. If he is on the run and he's being prosecuted and he's being taken down that way, that's when you don't have to worry about getting into litigation with Daniel Snyder. It all just takes care of itself. And, you know, I had suggested in the not-too-distant past that the best outcome would be if Daniel Snyder's motivation, and I've heard that this is the case, is to make sure his, team, his kids have the team, let him walk away, let his wife run the team, the kids get the team, and he's just gone. I think that the, the window for that, if there ever was one, oh, it's got to be ya. closed. I, hear I think you. at this point, they're yeah. all gone. I, you got to cut it. They're all gone. Anyone named Snyder yeah. is gone. Yeah. Gone, gone, gone from the NFL. It's over. Team gets sold to Jeff Bezos or some other $70 billion plus. Hey, Rob Walton, if you don't get the Broncos, you can buy the Commanders. Somebody's going to swoop in, buy that team, and Snyder is going to be forever erased from the annals of the NFL. I would think so. I would think this crosses the line of, like, we'd like to rid your rid ourselves of everybody in your family and not, you know, be a part of this. Plus, I would, I would think, you know, even with this type of situation, too, if I'm one of the other owners of the NFL and how everything's gone down, I'd, I'd be worried that, you know, somebody in the family who does take over is going to be bitter at the NFL and try to screw over the NFL at the, you know, at the, the day's end at some point just because they're going to be mad at what was done to their father or Mr. Schneider or whatever. So, yeah, I would think that this is, this is getting dangerously close to, whoa, uh, Daniel Snyder's in trouble and he's out of there. We'll see where this goes. We'll see how much more they can unpack. But I would think this is finally one where the NFL, yeah, is going to cooperate. You can't – you, you got to cooperate here. And you're right. Maybe the uh, U.S. government can do the NFL's dirty work here. I think all that can be done at this point is a clean break. And, look, this is setting aside any factual allegations or whatever. I, I don't know. It's for others to decide what did or didn't happen. But I keep going back to the effort by the NFL in 2007 – to beef up the personal conduct policy when Pac-Man Jones got suspended for the full year, the late Chris Henry got suspended for eight games. The idea at that point, and I can't believe it's been 15 years already, but the idea at that point was to send the message to the players that it doesn't matter if you didn't get convicted or plead guilty or no contest to any of these crimes. When you're accused this many times... When you're in the news this many times because you are in a position where someone is saying you did something that you weren't supposed to do, even if in any of the individual cases you didn't do it, at some point, it's too much. At some point, we got to do something. And that's kind of where we are with Daniel Snyder. The mere fact that he is constantly in the center of these storms of allegations should be enough for the NFL to say, enough. I would think so. Whatever it is about you, Daniel Snyder, that causes all these people to make these allegations about you personally and the way you conduct your business and the way you conduct yourself privately, you're gone. You're done. It's over. 
It's over. We, we can't have this. Even if none of the darts ever stick, the fact that there's so many darts in the air at any given time toward one of the 32 owners is bad for the shield. Yeah. They're always worried about the shield. Got to protect the shield, the shield, the shield, the shield. Well, the shield isn't looking so good right now, all thanks to one owner who has to go. Roger. Roger, if you're on the treadmill this morning and you flip over from Good Morning Football for a few minutes and we just happen to catch you, Roger, we love you. Get rid of Daniel Snyder, please. I mean, yes, yes. I, I, it, I, you know, it's it's like you always talk about or we talk about it. The part where and the last thing I'll say about it is just that always rubs me the wrong way is, of course, you know, the players get held to a standard of, you know, like we've talked about with Deshaun Watson. Whether whatever happens here, he settles the civil suits or whatever, the NFL is still going to go, no, we got to suspend you. It doesn't matter that you know you got off or didn't go to jail or nothing really happened legally. There's just too much stuff that was crap that affected the shield. And players get held to a little bit of a, a higher standard in, 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 in a lot of cases than the owners. And, of course, the it's owners – It's happened time and again. I know. Year after year. It just year it, after year. It annoys me. They, they, they go after the players. They go right. after the players, the players, the players, the players. They, they The idea that they and, – and, look, this is one of the chapters in Playmakers. Even when an owner does get punished, do they really get punished commensurate yeah. with the way a player gets punished? Let me give you a quick example before we go to break. Right. When Jim Irsay got suspended after having a, a DWI, it wasn't alcohol, but it was medication, and, and he was suspended multiple weeks of the following season, he still got his money. When a player gets suspended, players got one source of income, one primary source of income. Yeah. Player gets suspended, player doesn't get that money. When an owner gets suspended, nobody takes away any of the money. You just can't watch the game in the stadium. Big freaking deal. Exactly. Who, I mean, yeah, it's 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 embarrassing and it's it's a scarlet letter or whatever, but it's not like they're taking six weeks of your TV revenue away. Right. It's not like they're making you donate six weeks of your box office revenue to charity. So financially, it's not even close no. to being the same when an owner gets in trouble. And now, look, I, I think all bets are off at this point. And I think that the NFL would be very wise not to try to fight this one, but to use this as an opportunity, bless you, to rid themselves of Daniel Snyder once and for all. It was a long time coming, and I think at this point, with every day that it continues, it looks worse and worse and worse for the league that we love, for the sport that we love. This isn't anti-NFL. This is pro-NFL. NFL, if you want to be everything you can be, the thing you got to do right now is tell Daniel Snyder, What's the old line? You don't have to go home, but you got to get the hell out of here. Yeah, right. Yeah, see ya. I, I'm with you, Mike. I got nothing more to say. I'm good there. All right. Yeah. Well, we got more to say on other things happening in the NFL, including this. Devontae Adams is gone for Green Bay, and Aaron Rodgers is already having struggles Man. in the red He's zone. Miss we'll Adams. discuss that when <laughs> PFD Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. 
A video that took a month to surface from March 12, Aaron Rodgers at a charity flag football event <laughs> in Orange County, California, throws the interception. The kid hands him the ball. Hey, kid, I love you. Look at this. This is here. You go, Mr. I love Rogers. Rogers throws Here's it at him, and he throws it at him, <laughs> and he misses. Now I think he intended to miss him. I think but so too. My son pointed out last night. It it looked a lot like the old United Way commercial from when Peyton Manning hosted Saturday Night Live. Yeah, he was right. Throwing the balls at the kids. Now he hit the kid. Rogers. Yeah, I think Rogers has enough control over the ball that if he wanted to hit that kid in the legs and knock him down, he could have. But you know, it was pretty close when he whips it by him. But that's uh, that's good. But that was before Devontae Adams was traded. So. Man. So it's not, you know, at the time, and maybe, maybe, maybe Aaron was distracted because he knew kind of what was going yeah, on. Right, right. He it was, was flustered. He was flash, flashing forward to life without Devontae Adams, and maybe he's going to see some of those things happen with some red zone interceptions this year. But um, that was funny. it. Was just such a weird, random, out of nowhere video. It really was. And, uh, he looked jacked. Like that's the one thing when I looked at the, I mean, you know, you know he's far away, but it, you could see like the outline of his calves, and he looks thicker. Like that was the first thing I noticed, and then the other thing I noticed is even though it's like a seven yard throw, like Rogers is such a freak. Like he's just like, ah, screw it, my wrong foot's in front, and I'm just gonna lean, and I'm just gonna throw this ball in some weird position, and I expect the results to be the same. I mean, he's throwing with his right hand, with his right foot in front, and looking like it's a dart because he has like gorilla hands right so that he can throw the ball that way he can just flick it but he's such a freak in nature some of the positions he's in to throw a football and he just thinks look at that you think it's normal let me just stand there like that on one leg and try to do that uh that was freaky in itself and yeah i think he could have busted that kid in the butt if he wanted to i i, st- I look i uh, <laughs> people are gonna have different opinions about this but I just think the fact that he threw the ball at the kid, it just gives us a little window into how he thinks, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, know, you little uh, crap. Get know. out of here, uh, you others, little. Yeah, yeah. Others yeah. may have done the same thing, but because it's Aaron Rodgers, people are going to read into it what they will. And I hope the kid went and got that ball and has it encased in glass. Seriously. On his mantle for the I rest would. of his life. That is the. Hey, and that thing ends up. If that ball, if it can be verified that it's that ball. And it ends up on eBay or somewhere. I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump may, in I there. To, oh, oh to, Mike, you might have to get some of those dollars there. Yeah, well, we'll see. I don't know. It depends on how expensive it is. The last time I saw you have to write a check or do something like that, you had to ask permission from your wife. So stop. You know, just stop. we'll see where that just goes. Stop. Yep. Right, you know. <laughs> Stop. Hey, honey, can uh, I write this check, uh, please? <laughs> well, look, I, I prefer to sleep inside the house. That that you know, I don't ask for much, but one of the things I I do find one of the luxuries that I have come to enjoy during my lifetime is the ability to actually sleep inside the house. That is is it's a very uh, underrated thing. Um, to be able to be yeah. in your house, in the bed, right. uh, under covers, and warm and cozy, and actually able to. Sleep. I'm not judging, right. Mike. I don't even know where the hell my checkbook is, so I, I'm I'm totally clueless. So don't worry. Packers fans may not be sleeping very well as we get closer and closer to the season and the draft, as they are surely wondering what the hell are we going to do to re- replace Devontae Adams. That's just one of the questions hovering around the team, um, and what complicates that, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, not expected, reportedly, to participate in the offseason program. And look, I, 
I am the first one to say it's voluntary. You yeah. don't have to go. Right. You don't have to be there. You're not required to be there. If the NFL wanted participation in the offseason program to be mandatory, you come to the bargaining table and you offer something to the players. You get you you give them some inducement to make it a mandatory requirement to get your pay during the season. You got to be there for the offseason program, and the NFL hasn't. So the players can say we're not coming. Aaron Rodgers reportedly not coming. Generally, I say fine. Specific to what's going on with the Packers right now, boy, that makes me nervous. I'm a Packers you. fan. I hear you. you. You got you got new receivers. Right. Hopefully, hopefully it's not Randall Cobb and whoever else happens to show up on game day. <laughs> right. Hopefully there will be a guy signed as a free agent like a Julio Jones or a Jarvis Landry or an Odell Beckham Jr. or a guy that they trade for, whether it's DK Metcalf, unlikely. Chase Claypool, far more likely. I still think Claypool is the one they should make a play for. Or if they draft somebody. I mean, this is it. And Alan Lazard isn't even under contract right now. He's a restricted free agent. He can hold out. He can wait. He can do whatever. They got Randall Cobb. They got Amari Rodgers, who did nothing last year. He was primarily a kick returner, I believe. And then four other guys that collectively have 72 total receiving yards from last season. So if they draft someone or more than one someone and Aaron isn't there to be part of the offseason program, you put a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers getting to know these guys, getting comfortable with these guys, getting to the point where he can trust these guys during training camp in the preseason. Yeah, yeah. And he's not going to play in the preseason. No. So you don't have much time to get Aaron Rodgers feeling pretty good about these new guys he's going to be trusting to catch the football when he throws it their way. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this one, Mike. I, I got the same feelings. You know, one, you, you explained it, right? Players of Aaron Rodgers' status, superstars, guys who have been in the league, you know, four, more, four, or four years or more and have played at a high level, like are OTAs and th- that part like important to them? Absolutely not, no. Those really upper echelon, you know, high-end, cream-of-the-crop type of players. First off, 99% of them love the sport. They love working for the sport. They're doing what they got to do to be ready. They're just not there with the team. Let alone, they're very talented, playing the sports like riding a bike to them. And when it comes training camp, those are the freaky guys where you go, damn, the guy hasn't even practiced all year. And look, he came out here and he's the best DB and the best defense end. And he runs the best routes, even though he didn't run a route of our offense the whole year. Uh, so, the, 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 like, Rodgers will be fine that way. But I'm with you in the fact that, you know, one, we've heard a lot from Rodgers over the last two years, three years with Lafleur about – you know, the offense, and we're all on the same page and the details, and we know exactly where each guy's going to go. And then in an offseason like this, uh, like you've talked about, where, yeah, I would think we're going to be in the draft for more than one receiver. It's going to be multiple receivers, I would think, let alone a free agent guy. Why wouldn't you want to work out some of those kinks and get on the same page throughout the spring? I think is yeah, a little surprising to me. It is a little surprising to me. And then, you know, they bring back a quarterback coach and Tom Clements where you think, oh, great, he's coming back. And he's probably like, wait, what the hell? Why are you? I'm not going to see you for six months. It just it doesn't add up to me. I want to reiterate a point I've made a few other times, and this is important, and we'll see if the Packers do it. This is all the more reason to involve Aaron Rodgers in the scouting, the screening, the selection of whoever they draft. Empower him to be part of this. Get him to buy in. The best way to get him to buy into the new receivers is to include him in selecting the receivers. This is exactly what he was complaining about last year. The attitude is you just work here. 
We'll worry about the players. You worry about throwing the football. We'll worry about who's going to be catching the football. If you get him to watch some film and say, hey, I kind of like what this guy can do. Look at this. Look what I saw here. Those are the little ways that a guy feels appreciated, a guy feels respected, a guy who's been around since 2005. That was a point he said last year. I've been here 15 years. I'd like to think I've learned a thing or two. I'm paraphrasing, but that was his point. And he's right. He is. He's right. So, hey, it's on the Packers for not going to Devontae Adams sooner. Because I know Packers fans are not like, well, you know, he, we offered him more money. We, we offered him more money and he left anyway. Right, but if you put that money in front of him in November or December, he's taking it and he's staying. The Packers allowed it to get to the point where an opening, a real opening emerged for the Raiders to make a play for him. And then by then it didn't matter. That's the problem with waiting too long, with slow-playing situations like this. If you wait too long, you're going to wake up one day and the person that you made wait is going to have decided, I have to, you waited too long. Yeah. I'm out. Right. I've checked out. Right. It's on, and it's on you yeah. for waiting too long. That, it's on the Packers for waiting too long to get Devontae Adams taken care of. I think it's oh, real. offered him more. Well, Player like that, yeah, what are you waiting for? Why are you gambling? Like, well, why? Yeah. Like, I mean, you're, you're right. You know, other superstar receivers, I think we see in the NFL, it, 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 I'm just trying to think even off the top of my head. It's very rare that it comes to that point right there. Where it's, wait, you're proven commodity, you're arguably, you know, the best receiver in football in a lot of people's eyes, and we're going to wait to the very end to maybe franchise you, maybe do a, like, uh, that. that's, that's a rare story in itself. So uh, I, I agree with you there. So Aaron Rodgers, who is smart enough to see through it, if we're smart enough to see through it, he clearly is. Yeah. And, and that's a reason for him to be a little pissy. And, and I don't have any problem with that. So my point is you, you want him on board with these guys. Yeah. And it's even more important that he be on board with these guys if he's not going to be there for the offseason program. I mean, now, look, maybe if you include him in the process of drafting and selecting and scouting, he would show up. He'd feel like, i got to be there. Hey, I, you know, I put my name on the line for yeah, these guys. Right. They drafted this guy that I said, you know, I found this, I saw this, I saw this. I think I could. I think I kind of like this guy. They brought him in here. I, I want to help him now. I want to boost him because part of me, part of my name is tied to whether or not this guy does well. That's what you want. That's what you want if you're the Packers. You want Aaron Rodgers to feel that connection. You need him to feel that connection. And now they're going to be putting a lot of eggs if they go the rookie route. And look at what historically rookies have done by way of production with Aaron Rodgers. Um, If you want a rookie who's going to step in and be your number one guy and get it done, you want Rodgers to be all in with it. And, And I... I won't be surprised if we hear, and, and we know he's not bashful about speaking his mind at one of these future Tuesdays in his safe space with Pat McAfee or at a press conference or whatever, he starts going off about how, you know, they, they made these major ch- I said I didn't want to be part of a rebuilding effort, and they completely blew up the receiver room. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, uh, it's shocking. It's one of the, the biggest blows to a football team we saw this offseason, especially, I think, the the Super Bowl contender football teams to where, yeah, I mean, usually one guy doesn't make you think a whole lot differently. But like we talked about, them losing Devontae Adams makes me think differently of the Green Bay Packers. And I'm just, again, I think it's it's all shocking a little bit. We, of course, the drafting of Jordan Love, the not realizing Rodgers would react like that, the not, you know, extending Devontae Adams before it became, you know, dire straits, deadline time. 
You know, and then added to that even the – like we saw there. See, we saw that the rookies, right, don't have great success with Rodgers. But a lot of those times, too, they were like – you know, future plans. Randall Cobb was drafted, and they already had two or three good receivers, so they could wait, hey, we two or three years down the road, this will be the guy. Same with Devontae Adams. They were still pretty good at receiver when they drafted him. Jordy Nelson was still there, and that crew to where they go, we don't need you to perform as a rookie and be special. You know, we're looking at you two years down the road, now and then when we need you, and one of those veterans leave. But now we don't have that. They haven't drafted appropriately the last few years to have that guy coming up the ranks in case of Devontae Adams did leave. And now they're in a spot where it's like, oh, crap, for the first time ever, there's a good chance they're going to have a rookie receiver that's going to have to be the number one guy. I don't care what we say. Like None of those guys that they have on their team right now are going to be the number one guy. They're not capable of being the number one guy. So that's where it's just extra weird to it, whether it's a big free agent, maybe a Julio or somebody like that, like you talked about, you know, or the rookie. It's going to be somebody he hasn't worked before uh, that's going to be his main target on his football team. But that puts even more pressure yeah, definitely. on the team during training camp. If he's not going to be there for the offseason program, and again, that's his prerogative, puts even more pressure on him and whoever the number one is going to be to get everyone on the same page, to make it happen, to to be what they were when Devontae Adams was there. Now, along the way, and this is part of what makes it hard to understand why the Packers wouldn't involve him in this part of the process because they otherwise have given Aaron Rodgers whatever he wants. He wants Randall Cobb, even though Cobb was no longer there for a reason. Randall Cobb's back. He wants Tom Clements, even though Clements wasn't there for a reason. Yeah. Tom Clements is back. Yesterday, Clements spoke to reporters regarding the events that resulted in him returning to Green Bay as the quarterback's coach. So what, what brought you back? Uh, Delta. <laughs> After the season, it, uh, Aaron contacted me. He had talked to uh, Matt. wanted to gauge my interest in coming back. I said, yeah, I'd talk about it. I didn't have the itch to come back. Um, it, it was because of coming back to Green Bay with Aaron, chance to win a Super Bowl. Those were the primary considerations. Yeah, and look, Aaron Rodgers wanted him back, and he's back. And I, I remember, I remember when I first discovered football as a kid, and I was a college football fan and an NFL fan, and you didn't get to see much college football on TV, but they would do the Penn State package and the Notre Dame package where they'd take the game and they'd condense it down to a half hour, an hour. And Tom Clements was the Notre Dame quarterback right. back then. And I always think of that when I see or hear from Tom Clements. That was a long, long time ago. But Clements back now. Rogers happy about that, happy about something, and it's good. That's positive. I don't know what they would have done with Tom Clements if Aaron Rodgers had decided to retire or ask for a trade. That would have been awkward, to say the least, now that they brought him back specifically to work with Rodgers. That'll help. But still, somebody's going to be catching the passes. I don't care who the quarterback coach is. If you don't have receivers, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. I mean, I would think that would be the number one thing you'd want to do to appeal to Aaron Rodgers instead of like all these little things that make him feel warm and cozy in the facility. You know, that, that's what those moves are. I mean, the Randall Cobb and, uh, and Tom Clements moves, that, that's what that is to me. I mean, again, you said it right. I mean, Randall Cobb, 
he's yeah, the number three receiver on Green Bay. There'd be a lot of teams in football. He wouldn't be able to be the number three receiver. He's got, you know, the Aaron Rodgers, you know, backing there. That's forced, you know, their hand and put him in a situation to where he's going to get a few balls. But you know, that's it's it's an uninspiring group for sure as far as the weapons go there in Green Bay at wide receiver. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, and you know, I'm I'm definitely one in the club of Green Bay will take a step back this year and not be as good as a football team. I still think they'll win that division because it's not great, but I don't think they're going to be quite the Super Bowl contender we've seen in years past. Yeah, it's not going to be easy for the Packers this year without Devontae Adams and with whoever they end up adding. Now, one of the problems last year for the Green Bay Packers, and we saw it in the divisional round loss to the 49ers, the special teams play was abysmal. Mm -hmm. So in comes Rich Bisaccia, who had a decent chance to become the permanent head coach of the Raiders after being the interim head coach and taking the team to the playoffs following the John Gruden debacle. Here is... Rich Passaccia on his decision to go to Green Bay because this is a guy who had options and he opted for the Packers. Here he is from yesterday. Why come here to the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, the Green Bay Packers. You know, for me uh, personally, the opportunity to um, be at one of the marquee National Football League teams that sets a standard, has an expectation to play to that standard every day. You know, it's, it's certainly a, an opportunity to, um, to teach football and maybe teach some life lessons and maybe get guys to find a way to be the glue um, to the offense and defense. You know, we, we use a phrase around here about we fence. It's not really offense. It's not really defense. It's it's kind of we fence. It's us. You know, there's no other place on the field except the punt team where you could find a, a linebacker lined up next to a tight end, lined up next to a safety, and the um, uh, running back is the person protector making all the calls. I appreciate all the kind words from Coach LaFleur. I'm just kind of short, bald, and Italian, and then maybe that makes me mad at everybody. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I uh, again, I'm, I'm excited to be, you know, with Coach LaFleur. I, I can't wait to get up in the morning and coach football. Yeah, that's good for the Packers. It was a good move by them, and it's unfortunate that it took that disaster in Lambeau Field in the divisional round against the 49ers to make it become a major priority but yeah. th this is an area where they have to feel better so yeah it's not going to be the same with Devontae Adams but it's definitely not going to be the same in a good way with Rich Basaccia no no it will not Basaccia as you've heard me say many a times and my history of knowing him and you know being part of the scout team on the wee fence sometimes running down he's just got a remarkable energy and way to communicate about him to me that's special that stands out among whoa whoa whoa, whoa. yeah Time yeah out. that's Time right out. that's right i need to know <laughs> yeah exactly what chris sims right with spleen yeah did early in his career right on the scout team special teams Tell me, tell me what your well, role was. Well, I used to love it. Well, first off, I loved it because well, you wanted to be a part of it because of Basaccia. That, that's what a good coach is, where you know you were just like, man, I'll help out. What do you want me to do for you? Hey, I need some guys to run down on kickoff, right, and do that because you know we might have a DB or a backup receiver doing it, and they've just ran routes on a drill prior. So I'm like, okay, hey, you know, let me run down. So Keenan McCardle, who's you know going on his tenth year in the NFL and four Pro Bowls, doesn't have to do this. Let alone, you know, I was a backup early those days, not getting a ton of reps, and I'm going, I'm getting shape running down and do stuff like that. I used it like that. But so I would, I would do help out in those ways. But loved it because of Basaccia. 
you wanted to be there, be a part of it, help him out and do that. And he's got a great way about him. And he, as you've, as I've talked about a lot and you've heard me say, I think he's NFL head coach material. I do. And I won't back off of that. And I think he showed that last year. He did. So you were showing off that five, six speed. Oh, baby, that speed. Punts. You know it. You know, they just had to prepare. They had to prepare for the real speed they're going to see on Sunday with me. <laughs> That's pretty good. But it just shows you how he inspires the yes. team. And, and you know, this comes up from time to time. It, it's odd to me that special teams coordinators aren't considered more seriously for head coaching jobs because they've already shown that they know how to communicate to the entire yes, team. right. And and they have a mastery of a very important phase of the game that can kill a special season if you're not careful, as we saw happen last year to the Packers. And it felt like – I remember when Dave Tobe, the Chiefs special teams coordinator, there was talk that maybe he'd get a head coaching job and that never went anywhere. And and John Harbaugh was long-term special teams coordinator with Andy Reid, had one year as a defensive backs coach to kind of – not sanitize, but – but it's almost like you're viewed as not a real coach if you're a special teams coordinator, and that makes no sense to me. I know. It's still football. It is. Right? It it is. You're still around it. You still know what's going on. You've been around it your whole life. You're just involved in one very specific niche of it, but you still understand offense and defense. And and as a head coach, you do a lot of delegating anyway. You do. I think a special teams coordinator is the perfect guy to do the delegating because, you know, I don't know that it's ever a good thing to have a head coach who is caught up completely and exclusively in one side of the ball. That I'm I'm a defensive guy, so I focus so much on that to the detriment of the offense. Or I'm an offensive guy, I focus on that, and I throw the keys to the defense to the coordinator. I kind of like the idea of a guy who truly is in a position to trust his coordinators because he has to sure. because they know it better than he does. Yeah. Well, I, the greatest coach of all time kind of has that formula in Bill Belichick, to your point, Mike. Yeah, I mean, we know he's a little more favorite towards the defense, but always has his pulse on the offense and what's going on there and lets his defensive coaches do their thing and just adds his two cents. And, I, I mean, you make a lot of great points there. And the fact that they can, special teams guy can communicate more times than not. The special teams coach really knows how to manage game situations too. You know, again, we saw Rich Bisaccia here at the end of the, the the end of the year, the last half. Of the, they never messed up a game situation. We rarely see jo- John Harbaugh's famous for his game management in a lot of ways and his ability to manipulate rules and do little things. So. There, there you go. But I think ultimately what scares owners and GMs about the special teams coach is the fact that they can't walk into either one of those rooms and be the smartest guy in the room. And that, I think, is hard for the GM and the owner to digest, that he can't walk in the defensive room and really give you know an overall deep thought about the defense and tell those guys what to do offensively. Or de- and I think that scares you know the higher-ups in the NFL. Well, I think people should take a closer look at what the Ravens have done since 2008 yeah. and realize that there's merit in considering a different path. Uh, and again, there's only 32 of these jobs, and that makes it, that makes it harder for any one person – to get one of them, and obviously the fact that that uh, um, not many special team coordinators get the opportunity to show that not many owners are interested in rolling those dice. Let's take a break. We're going to try to set the bar 
for some teams' expectations for the coming season. I didn't realize how much I missed football until we were watching those Lambeau Field highlights with the snow. So 2022 season will be here before you know it. We'll set the bar for some teams when PFT Live continues right after this. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today.